Welcome to Garden People with your host, Jill Sowards of Violet Air Studio. Join us each season as we speak with your favorite garden people, designers, florists, growers, naturalists, chefs, artists, and more about how gardens have shaped their lives and informed their work today with seasonal tips, expert recommendations, and lots and lots of plants. To learn more, go to our website at violetairstudio.com. You'll find episode information, our seasonal journal, class list, and seed offerings. Everything you need to start your own garden story. Today, my guest is Jane Slattery of The Wild Pottager. Jane creates an immersive garden world, sharing her garden bounty in words, or poems, on Instagram from Newcastle in the north of England. She grows beautiful flowers and some favorite fruits and vegetables, finding ways to dry and preserve to extend her seasons. She also has an exciting new project, offering some lovely pottager-infused items on her website. One especially wonderful takeaway about Jane's garden life is that it fits around a demanding work schedule, which might make it all that much more valuable as a place of refuge and maybe all the more inspiring. Jane, welcome to Garden People. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much. Thanks for the invitation. I wanted to begin by asking you a little bit about your account. I think that's the wild protege is how most people see you or yeah. are introduced to you. And so I wanted to, I think the name speaks so much to the content. So could you tell us a little bit about both how you conceived of the account and then also what the name means to you? Okay. So the wild protege, the name wasn't the first name I had on the account. It used to be Timeline Social. Now. I have no idea why I picked Timeline Social. It meant absolutely nothing to what I was going to start posting. So I think when we all went into lockdown in COVID, I just started going into, you know, more into the flowers, into what I was growing and eating and picking and cooking. So I just thought, right, you know what? The name needs to reflect that. So I think, I don't know, about six months ago or so, I changed it to the wild potager. Now, potager is, is obviously French for kitchen garden, potager. I don't, I, you know, I'm not very good at a French accent. <laughs> and whereas they have, these French kitchen gardens are so neat and well manicured, and mine isn't. I, it's a kitchen garden, but it's not neat and manicured like a French one. So hence why the wild bit came into it, because I'm so heavily into you know, making sure that we have the the right ecosystem for the bees and, you know, all the wasps, the flies, you know, everything that's the pollinators, hence why it's gone a little bit more wilder in, in terms of a kitchen garden. So that's where the name came from. And I have to say, I would be shoehorning myself into this because previous to that, the Instagram used to be a bit more like my life, you know, traveling and cooking. It was what I was doing. It was the dogs. It was everything. And now I've gone in just specifically to what I really enjoy outside of work. So it is what it is for itself. It's is the wild potager. And, you know, it's, it's just a little sanctuary that I have right now. That's wonderful. And your words that you accompany each post are so, they're lovely and clearly an important part of it. Why was it important for you to sort of capture those moments or why was it important for you to switch into this new focus? I just felt I was going a bit in danger of being, you know, how these guys go on Facebook and they, you know, they, they're having a cup of coffee or, you know, this is what I'm doing right now. I just didn't want it to be like that. I wanted to be more meaningful and a lot of people who I know say it's my alter ego, basically. That's the person that is me deep down. But I have, you know, obviously bills to pay, work, 
nine to five, all of that. Well, it's not nine to five, it's more like six till eight, you know, things like that. So I think this this is what I enjoy, what I immerse myself in, what I get lost in. And, you know, it's just, I so enjoy the, like, the spoken word, the English language, and, and to find a new word, I don't know. And then go, right, what does that mean? And then, and, you know, it just it just goes on and on and on and on. And, you know, it's just how to describe something better than actually just putting a string of words together. It's to think about it, you know, to use your brain. And, and, and like I say, it's just to be more immersed into it. And I don't know about you, but I just find I'd rather it be a kind of a spoken word that describes it and sets a scene where someone can actually lose themselves in rather than you know here I am I'm having a cup of coffee how are you today happy Monday you know I do do those things as well but just not as much you know I just I like to escape it's an escapism for me yeah well it seems like it's both creative and as you're describing how it is sort of a poem almost it's very visceral yeah yeah Yeah. can you describe the garden space where where you're gardening now I knew you were going to ask me this and I've said to myself right I better measure this little area that I'm but I haven't measured it so I have no idea what, what the size is that's so funny it, it is quite big you know it's fenced in with the allotment that I so basically it's a, it's a patch of earth that I rent off like the local council and it costs me 85 pound a year which is pretty cheap and um, I don't know what that is in dollars I'll have to have to figure that out it's nothing really for yeah. the year is it and, you know, I go in the gate and I have a path from front to back. And on one side, there's, there's a shed. And on the other side, there's a greenhouse. And, you know, it, it's sort of compartmentized. So I have front. I decided to make it look more like I'm going off a tangent here now. Aren't I decided to make it be more like a garden because I thought if this is too, if it looks like too much hard work and it looks too like there's my veg, there's my flowers there. You know, I wanted to be more creative. So I put annuals with perennials and put vegetables with the flowers. And then I mix it up, hence why the pottage, I think, came into it, where you you mix your veg and your flowers. And I just thought I wanted like more of a welcoming committee when I walked in. So I put in perennial scabious with a bay tree. On one side, there's coreopsis with witch hazel. But then I'll have Californian poppies in there. It's just, it's all different I have bulbs that come up at the very spring which is crocus and then it goes into narcissus and tulips and and it's just like this is the committee that I have but I wanted to make sure it ran from season to season so then began planting a lot of hellebores in there and they love it there there's a big bay tree there's eucalyptus there you know so that is the front and then you go further back and there's a, a tiny, tiny, you can't say it's an orchard because there's only six trees in there, but they're more than enough for me. And then you go back and that's where my working area is. So it's more to the back. So where my four areas where I, I rotate crops. But that allotment is obviously just a, this plot of land that I never thought I would really, really appreciate something so much as I do right now. It's quite cathartic. It's quite the, the mental health well-being thing that it does for years. I can't recommend these things enough for people to have little small areas. Now, in these allotments, I mean, I'm number 77. I think there must be about 100 plots and they're, they're all divided up. So you get, there's a little community there. We have a little shop where you can buy your bird seed. We always buy from there to encourage the fact that these allotment plots will still carry on because they need a little bit of money to keep going. And these allotments have been there since the World War. So, wow. you know, you want to keep that. Yeah, you want to keep that going. So it's all those people, the plot I've had, 
you just think who was there before me all them years ago back to the world war yeah when did you take over the plot the story goes I have two little dogs and I'm literally five minutes outside of the city centre but we're surrounded by fields and, it, and it, it's bizarre because I could go five minutes in the car down to the city centre and it's all built up and stadiums and all sorts but you come out five minutes and we've got fields and the local farmers put their cows on there for the summer and they go in the April they leave probably now October and I used to walk my dogs and it's the end of my street where I lived so I used to walk the dogs and I used to walk past the allotments I used to think wonder what on earth goes on in there and then because you walk a dog I don't know if you have dogs yourself you end up talking to other guys you know who are walking dogs and you start talking and everyone wants to talk to you and then there was this little old guy and he used to have a little walking stick and he was getting a bit poorly and I used to talk to him every time I saw him every weekend and he had used to walk his dog and it just so happened that he had a, a plot in these allotments. So he said, go on a Saturday, go and get yourself a form. I never did. Three or four months later, he comes up to us. And he says, how are you doing, Jane? Hi. And then he pulls out this piece of paper out of his pocket and it was an application form. So I took the application form off him and I just, and I started thinking, I am never going to be able to do this. I'm not good enough. I'm just used to having pots, a small little garden at home. I have pots, you do bulbs, you do all. And I just thought I'm not going to be able to do this. And then he kept asking and asking and asking. So eventually I give the sheet back to him after it sat on my dining room table for three months. I give the application form back to him and he handed it in. And then it took two and a half years until I got a plot. Two and a half years. There's a waiting list. Wait list, yeah. So I got it, I think about 2012. And he only gave me a half plot. And then I was on there for a year. And this is where... Google comes into play because you think, I, I don't know what I'm doing here, so I'll just check this, I'll Google this, I'll Google that. And then I just started then watching programs. I just started maybe looking in a magazine. And, and then my mother came along and she started helping us because she used to work on a lot of plots when she was a girl for her dad. I think she was born just before the Second World War ended. And, and it just went from there. And then the guy said, oh, we've got a full plot if you'd like to have it. So we moved up to the full plot. And then that's where I am today. And I just can't seem to to give it up no matter no matter what I do yeah that's not going anywhere yeah that's wonderful and how long have you had the full plot so 2013 I would have had that from what did you inherit or keep and also maybe what did you get rid of well the, you walked in and it was just there was a path we laid this path right the way from the, the center right the way to the end and it was literally on the left hand side just a swathe of soil just from front to back was soil and I thought that this isn't appealing to me. So then I set about put a little curved path in, put little compartments, I put more paths in to make areas manageable. So if I can't work in that area, I'll then cover it over so it doesn't get covered in weeds. And then next year I could leave it fallow. And then next year I'll work on that, put manure on it, make it better. But the one thing I did inherit was this apple tree. It's an amazing apple tree. It's it's like Snow White, you know, them red, that red apple. It's like yes. that. I, I had no idea what apple it is. It's, it's so prolific and everybody comments on it. Everybody wants to take a cutting from it. Everybody wants to know the produce. It's, it's an amazing tree. That's wonderful. And you mentioned your mom helping out. Did you garden when you were younger in any capacity? Not really. I kind of like just, I don't know if it's by chance, look, right place, right time. I'm not sure. I think probably because where I lived and the, these allotments are at the end of my street and because I used to walk past, I used to obviously help my mom a little bit when I, when I was younger, but nothing major. It, it's just seemed to have fallen into my life without me searching for it. 
but I was obviously searching for something because I'm, you know, sort of trained like artistic. I did silversmith jewellery, used to paint and all of this, graduated. So it's always been in us to be like express something with my hands, have my hands do something, make things. I used to do three-dimensional art. It's just it's the way I think it came at the right time. Yeah. And did you spend time in gardens at all, playing gardens or have access to them? Oh, yeah. So when I was a kid, you know, we all, we always had gardens when I was growing up. My grandparents, you know, my parents did. You were always at the park and things like that when you were a kid. But that's such a long time ago now, Jill. Let's not talk about that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very much sort of a, again, it's an expression of sort of this creative expression. And it makes sense that you have artistic training given just, again, how lovely the layout is. And then also the photographs and everything. They're so wonderful. I do like to create like an escapism when, when you look at those pictures and, you know, obviously everyone knows that they're filtered. Some of them are filtered. Some of them are, there's always that, that sun rays coming through the leaves in the apple tree or the plum tree or the cherry tree, or there's always something and I'll go right, the camera's out and I try and capture it. Yeah. So wonderful to share, sure, especially for people who didn't have any access to that. I think it really yeah. was wonderful to be able to share those things. Definitely. And then with this plot, did you have a specific moment that you realized gardening was the passion that you couldn't be without it? I'll definitely wouldn't be without it now. I think my mother used to help me with it, but then she fell ill and sadly she passed away. But if it wasn't for the things that she taught me in that short space of time, she got diagnosed with cancer in the October and unfortunately passed away the following May. And then I think it was just, a, I let the plot actually go to rack and room for a while. And then I just woke up one day, went down the plot, and then I just thought, right, Jane, this allotment, it's yours. So then I just set about creating it and making it better and moving things and taking things out I didn't like. So I inherited, you know, things, some raspberries that weren't doing very well. And I just had to make a blank canvas and create it again. And then I think because I shared that place with my mother that I just it was quite, it was almost therapy for us, you know, when I used to go down there. And it was, it was good for me, mental health and the well-being. And I always go on about that, about the mental health. And it helped me greatly. And I used to just, just to go in there, hands on the soil. And there was nothing in there for, other than the two dogs with me at the time. There was nothing but birdsong. And there was nothing to distract us. And I would just pour everything out of my head into that plot. And it didn't answer us back. It didn't say anything. And it was just, I just thought, oh, I think this is where I need to be full-time obviously I'm not there full-time but it just became such a joy to do it wasn't work it wasn't hard it was you know yeah I'm digging and I'm digging over because I have a perennial weed so I can't do no dig so I have to turn the soil over and pull this weed out all the time a mess tail we call it grows up just as like a big fin terrible stuff it's like my nemesis in that plot (laughs) it's your tribal but, you know, even though it can be backbreaking, it's just you come back and you're just like, oh, what a great day I've had today. Absolutely. It's great. So true. And what is your personal daily or weekly garden practice? How often are you, are you able to get out? At the moment, because the seasons, you know, the, the nights are drawing in, it is literally a weekend job now. Sometimes if I was working locally, I wasn't traveling. I'd be in there in the morning or I'd be in there in the after, like after work because it would be light till nine, 10 o'clock at night. So I would do it after work. The main work goes into the preparation of it before you plant and everything. And it was just, I would have a bad day at work and then I would go there and then I would just like, well, everything's even better now. And then you wake up the next morning, you're like ready to fight another day. Yeah. At the moment, it, it's just a weekend now, unfortunately for me. Right. Well, and it, you create such a warm place with your, with what you share. And occasionally you mentioned 
the, all this travel you have to do. And I'm sure it's really meaningful to have that when you come back. Oh, absolutely. You know, tomorrow morning I drive to Aberdeen. It's the top of Scotland. Oh, well, that's a five hour drive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I've got some drive to do tomorrow. You see, so, you know, how I say it's swingers and roundabouts. Some days I travel quite extensively and, and other times I don't. And I just have to take that time when I don't, I little snapshot and grab it and, and do things what I need to do. Sowing the seeds for next year, the biennials, the stocks, the, the foxgloves, what else have I done? Wild carrot. What I also really like about your demanding schedule is that it shows how much you really can do. I mean, you're producing so many flowers. It's still such a meaningful part of your week in your life, even though you have a lot of other things to do, a lot of other demands. So it's, I think that's really important for people to know that yeah. you can fit, fit the garden to you and it will wait for you. Well, I think also what helps is the husband works away also. When I come in on a night, I don't have to answer to anybody most nights. So I can go off and do what I want in that in that shed or out the back of my house here where I've got, you know, the ranunculus are just going in now for next year. When you do it year after year after year, you kind of find what you're good at and not good at, what fits in with your time scale, what, what you can fit in. I mean, at the beginning of the year, we were in lockdown again, weren't we? I sold like and sold and sold and sold. Then when I went back to work, unfortunately, I had some failures, some things stayed in the pots, some stayed in the trays and didn't get out into, didn't get planted out. So, you know, I do have failures also. It's, I am by no means perfect at it. Oh, of course. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's, that's part yeah, of it. Totally. Can you describe where you live and what the seasons are like there? So we have full seasons. So I'm at the top of England. I'm, I'm literally like a hundred miles away from Edinburgh. So mm-hmm. I'm not far from the Scottish border and we do have for the four seasons, but in summer, we're not as warm as it would be further down south. So it can be quite challenging. Our winters can be a bit harsher than it would say down in the south in Cornwall or Devon or London or somewhere like that. So it can be challenging, but it's not, it's, you get to know what works and you work with it. Exactly. And one of the things I really appreciate about what you're sharing is also how you bring the garden home with you. And can you talk a little bit more about that, maybe based on each season, what you're, what you tend to take home? What the allotment taught me was it gives you things in abundance. So yeah, you get your one courgette plant and you'll get about 20 of them off it. You'll do beans and you'll get so many runner beans, string beans, you know, the whole lot. So what I started to do was it, it's the same with fruit as well, the apples, the plums. So I started to do yeah, your jams and your chutneys. And then I started setting myself little goals, things like, I don't know, do you have pick a lily over there? No. You'll have heard of a plowman's lunch, yeah? Yes. Yeah. So it's like crackers, it's cheese and chutney is on there. So piccalilli is a form of chutney. Okay. And I decided that I would grow the ingredients for it. I couldn't do the spices for it, but I could I could do the, the veg that went in it. So that was the first thing I set myself and went, right, okay, so we'll sow them at the beginning of the year and we'll make piccalilli. I achieved that. And then I just started like trying to set myself little goals of what I could do. The big thing for me was I wanted to go enough flowers for the whole year so I didn't have to go and buy another bunch of flowers that hadn't flown across the world, that one covered in plastic. You know, it was all those things. And I achieved that. And that was two years ago. And I've been doing it ever since. I've got dahlias now drying behind us here. So that's going to see me through the winter months, drying things like bunny tails, all the grasses, lots of seed heads, poppies. That's going to take me through. And, and I think 
I kind of obviously come back into the home over the winter and then you'll start seeing more candles, you'll start seeing more windowsills. And, you know, you've got to use what, what you've got at hand because if I went to the allotment, it'd be pitch black by the time I finish working. So I can only take good, decent photographs on the weekend. So that that's when it's all starts to become more lifestyle and more homely in the winter. Yeah. Absolutely. And when you're setting these goals for yourself, do you use a journal to record what's going on in the garden or no? Absolutely. I've got a diary. We only really started using a diary about four years ago and I always look back on it and then I think, right, well, that didn't go very well. So I'll either move it forward when I saw things or move them back when I saw things. Um, as you know, I showed you, I'm sitting here with a, with a notepad in front of us now. I, I can't help it. I know we've got technology. We've got our phones. We've got our iPads. We've got everything and, you know, and cameras and everything. But pen and paper, you can't beat it. Absolutely. You know, writing all the things down. I'm quite old fashioned that way. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. I've, you know, now had the opportunity to speak to a number of people. A lot of people are pen and paper in the garden, as am mm-hmm. I. <laughs> I think yeah. it's, there's something about the physical make yeah. arrows and things. <laughs> and do yeah. a little doodle, make it look pretty on the page. You know, yeah. you just, you yeah. just can't help a book. Yeah. And then do you have any favorite plants that no growing space with yours will ever be without? So the plot we had when we first got it, the what there was, and I, I blame my mother for this, there was these amazing roses and we used to share the workload. So one weekend I didn't go down. When I came back, she actually dug them all up and gave them away. And I was mortified. Since then, been buying roses. I, I left it for a few years because I, I didn't know where I wanted them. I, there's still parts of the, this allotment I don't show anybody that I'm still kind of in my mind's eye designing it. Do I want that there? Do I want this there? And every year I change. So I've got these roses in, in pots at the moment and they're going to go in next year, next spring, and hopefully have lovely roses in there. Yes, you know, I'm a, I'm a Dahlia person. I, I can't believe how hooked I became on Dahlia. So I'll never be without them. And also what I'll never be out with are herbs. I'll never be out without herbs in the garden. I have a lot of perennial herbs in there. So you've got your chamomile and your lavender which obviously no garden should be without those, for, obviously for the bees and, and the chamomile for the scent. And Agastache, I've been doing some of that. I've been, you know, I sold all these from seed a couple of years ago and I've hyssop, I've been putting some of that in. I have woodruff, I have like old perennial, like Victorian herbs in there. Then I have ones that taste like pineapple. I have sage pineapple. I have to just, I have to have them. Marjoram, yeah. oregano, as we say it over here. Um, yeah oregano should I say it like that yeah (laughs) yeah it's definitely herbs but the flowers like like I said there's perennial ones so the giant white scabious coreopsis hellebores then you've got bulbs in there that come through so I'll never be without any tulips either that's another thing I'll never so I've just I'm waiting on an order coming in and they'll all be going in soon wonderful lemon verbena that is amazing that's my favorite Um, yeah once you have one borage plant in your in your garden, you're guaranteed borage for the rest of your life. Yes. So I always let it come back. I, I don't let it go off. And, you know, I don't pull them out. So I'll, I'll let them have their own way. And this, the taste of the flowers, I'll put them in my drinks. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll sit and I'll, I'll maybe warm some water in, on the little stove that I have there. And I'll pop these flowers in for the taste, some lemon verbena. And it's just so lovely to sit there and you you pick tomatoes out of the greenhouse, you pick an apple off the tree, you have your own drink with the herbs in it. And I just think everybody should try it. You should never knock it until they've tried it. Absolutely. It's it's very elemental, the ability to sort of pick something right off, right off a plant and use it. Yeah. No, that's wonderful. You describe being very much in addition to sort of the people around you, like your mother teaching you about 
gardening that you're also Mm -hmm. very much self-taught or what do you use for inspiration? I went to the Chelsea Flower Show this year for the first time. Oh. I know I've never been. And of course, I just had to go because I had the big five all birthday this year and we were all locked down. We couldn't do anything. So I purchased the ticket with it and went with a friend. And because it was in autumn, I thought, well, this is the one for me with all the dahlias and all of that. I said, this is the one I need to be at because it's highly unlikely to be held in, in autumn again. Right. So I found that very inspirational. And it was it was all about the ecosystems, the bees and everything like that, which is where I'm passionate about. And I'm sure you must have gardeners world over there. Do you do you get that over there? Yes, we we do. We don't have any American equivalent, but we love the Mon- BBC Monty. version. Yeah, Mont- <laughs> yeah. Uh, Monty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's it's just I have that on series record and I'll catch up when I when I can. You know, I think the last book I bought was about wreath making, you know, it was I have flower arranging. Things that are more creative than technical are the ones I tend to buy because Same. I'm always using my hands. Yeah. Yeah. And do you save your seeds and take cuttings? Yeah, I save the pea seeds. Well, right. So what have I just saved? I saved, I had, I bought these organic seeds and calendula and sowed them about two years ago and then I just I just let them all go over so I could save their seeds because obviously calendula is just this amazing flower that has great properties for your skin to make oils to make balms and things like that and and that's the kind of thing I'm kind of reducing into you know probably we'll talk about at the website so those are the kinds of things that I'll be I'll be bringing into it and anything I can save delphinium poppy uh, nigella I can't go past without seed. If I see a seed head, I snap it off and it's in my pocket, basically. I just can't help it. I'll probably look at my pocket and once time go, what, what plant was that off? I can't remember. What would I just do it? I can't help it. Absolutely. I do the same and I have the same problem where I think I put it in different pockets so maybe I'll remember this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's a great segue to your website. So you are yeah. working, you're working yeah. on a new website, some offerings. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Okay, so because I use up my hands and I'm creative and I'm always wanting to do things, even from editing a photograph for Instagram, you know, I get engrossed in things and it's just that enjoyment that you get from being creative and creating something that you've never done before. It was probably a year and a half ago, maybe two years now, when I, and I started creating all of these hand bombs and it was just the calendula plant, obviously, was the main ingredient. And then I just started looking into things. Again, Google was my friend. And then I started buying a couple of books based on it. And then I started looking at, um, you know, obviously, when we, with my mother passing away with cancer, I just thought, right, these candles aren't good for you. These have got carcinogenics in them. I'm going to make me own and make sure that I'm not breathing in all these bad fragrance smells because if it's got fragrance on it, basically it's not good for you. It has to be essential oils. It has to be natural for it to, to be any good. So then I looked up what's the best wax because I didn't even know at the time. You know, so I was doing beeswax and I was going, no, I don't use beeswax because it's not really sustainable. And I was just soy wax, so we'll go for soy wax. So then I was like, right, soy wax is the best one to burn. And then even down to the wick, I had to be cotton. I had to be sustainable cotton. And then I just started looking at um, buying, repurposing old vessels. Like I was looking at um, the patisserie tins for, you'll see a lot of people put a little votive in it. So I actually fill them up. So that's like, it'll be a limited collection. Then then I was looking and I was thinking, right, I don't want to be known just for the candle, middle-aged woman who makes candles, you know, for a living. Sort of. Just didn't want that to stick. 
like yes. mud. You know what I mean? Yes. I didn't want a little stick on it. So I then start obviously blending and I've got some great scents. And then what I found is, you know, you talk about how I write. So when I was writing a description for each candle, then started creating a scene for that person to step into. And then it was like, you get your blanket and you, you light your candle when you're outside, your chimney is going and you pull your blanket up. And I'm like, right, okay, so I need a blanket. So basically, I, I've kind of called it for the mind, body and home. And, you know, these essential oils, the scents, the smells, oils, wax, bombs, whatever it may be, you're going to go outside, you're going to use them. I've got this hand bomb coming. There's going to be sort of a good bomb, which is for your thighs, where you want to massage a bit in. Anything for your feet to relax in when you've been out in the garden all day. You want to pull these beautiful dried flowers that are calendula petals, chamomile petals, be all sorts of Himalayan salts. So the list is endless, but at the moment, because I have this full-on job through the day, um, Monday to Friday, um, I'm going to start small. And we're going to just introduce just a few candles that come in sets of three. And, and they are these lovely, these little clay cups. And basically what people drink their Tai Chi out of. These are going to be full and you'll get three per order. And the, you'll just pick which ones you want. But, you know, how I've described them, you put yourself in that scene. That I've took photographs that they're in the greenhouse. So there's a greenhouse candle. Put one outside outside on the table where it's more like a harvest it's just because I could be creative I just thought right I'm going to put that there see how it works and if it's really good and everyone loves it then I will expand onto the rest of the things so just a bit on that blanket I found this great mill in Yorkshire and they use the end of wool that would just be discarded and they make new blankets so these are obviously reused repurposed recycled so that's kind of at the heart of the website just to reuse the things so, so the ve- the vessel that you're going to get this candle in you're going to repurpose it i think sort of uh cool trendy urban people use them as pinch pots on their table and you know i'm clearly not a cool urban trendy person but you know they do the salt and pepper i don't know all sorts of things that catch me eye and i think like, they're so tactile to touch as well as you can see i'm out getting a little bit passionate about it <laughs> yes no that's wonderful <laughs> so the dried flowers will be coming into it, but it's not be this year. It'll be sort of later on. There will be prints. There, there will there will be framed, um, dried. It's all botanical. Yeah. <laughs> That's so wonderful. And it's such a, yeah, it's such a wonderful extension of what you're already sharing. So it makes so yeah. much sense. Absolutely. That's so wonderful. Do you have a, a private garden space and something connected to your home too? Yeah, well, I, I kind of live in an old Victorian house. So at the back is just a paved yard. There's only pots there and there's a small square at the front. So that's why I needed the allotment. Yeah. I couldn't do any of this growing in this garden. So yeah, yeah I'm busy revamping that as well. So, you know, we've got a nice magnolia there. A Budley has just gone in. You know, we're putting sort of, I am actually putting <laughs> things like rosemary in there as well. Because the cats, the cats have to tear the cats away from there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what I mean, don't you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. And people have very interesting ways of getting rid of them too. <laughs> they do, don't they? So somebody told me the other day that, well, it was chili powder or coffee. So I've been using the coffee at the moment and yeah. it seems to work. So where I've planted it all up, I've been putting pouring coffee all over, like yeah. strong coffee. And that seems to work. Yeah. I'm still covering the area I haven't finished yet. So okay. hopefully I'll get that done. Wonderful. Wonderful. We have so many exciting projects and thank you so much for sharing about the website. And then I guess the last thing would be given your experiences and, and taking over this plot and how much it's given to you and what would you 
say to someone else who might be, I guess, considering an allotment, or at least how would you recommend seeking out some garden space? Yeah, well, I, I used to live in a flat in the city centre as well years ago. And all I can say is what I can't recommend enough is, is when you get that seed and you push it into that compost, and then in a week or so, depending on what, what it is you're growing, you see it germinate and you're like, wow, I've done that. And then it grows into this huge flower. You know, uh, foxgloves, astounding. I mean, the, the size of that seed is like, I don't know, a, a grain of sand, maybe smaller. Small. And it goes into this, yeah. And it goes into this huge, gorgeous flower. And I just think, you know, when you get so much satisfaction from it and the joy that it brings, and I just think any anybody should try and go. I, I encourage it all the time. The guys who work with me, I'll, I might give them some seeds or I might give them a spare chili plant. Or And then one of the guys, he saved the chili seeds from the chili plant, that chilies that I give him two years ago. And he, he's sold there this year. And it's like, it can be very... It can catch on so so much and and anyone who's thinking about it, I just say go for it because you never know what you're gonna be good at. I'm not I'm not great at some things and I'm good at other things, but you know, some people love to do all the veg and I like to do all the flowers now, you know, I'll leave that veg to somebody else. So yeah, I think if you can grow a tomorrow plant on your windowsill, then amazing. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, and you'll you'll probably be hooked. Oh, absolutely. I, I can't tell you. It's that how do you describe it, Jill? I don't know. It's like, you know, you put that seed in that compost yeah. and then you get a plant at the end of it. And it's like, I grew that. I didn't have to go to the shops and buy it. And now I've got this bowl full of tomatoes or all these cucumbers, you know, aubergines and, you know, all of this. And then I just think, God, wow. And you don't necessarily grow a lot to where I have too much. I grow for what I like to eat and I want because... I now have all my spaces taken over by flowers these days, but there'll always be a tomato, there'll always be kale, there'll always be cabbage somewhere, there'll always be beetroot, you know, turnip, things like that. But if they're thinking about it, they just need a little box and put it in the yard out the back and then say what they can do. And just yeah. so, just go for it. You learn by your mistakes and you'll be yeah. better the year after. Yeah. More my words, the next year comes around way quicker than the first year did. Yeah. Grow what you love. I was the same way. I wanted, I wanted flowers for my home. Then it was just yeah. a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh no. You go on forever and ever, but now I just grow what I like to eat. And that is it. I don't give any more space to the little different things that I've never done before because that, that space is now flowers and it always will be from now on in. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you just pick five stems and you take them home, you, you're actually going to do, you might not be this qualified florist who can do all this arranging, but, you know, you're going to put them in a vase and you are actually going to tinker with them and see and put them in its place. That, to me, is some form of flower arranging. You put it on, you know, your table or wherever you want it to put. And I just love, 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 love a simple um, glass vase full of uh, cosmos, white cosmos by the side of the bed. And you wake up the next morning, you're like, oh, look at that. I grew that. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> I agree that. And it makes me smile every time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you. No, it was lovely. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. You'll find links for everything we've discussed in the show notes or on our website. To get early access to our guest list and information about bonus episodes, gardening tips from our guests, and more, sign up for the newsletter at violetearstudio.com. 